Welcome to Conversations on Living, a podcast about being and being better. I'm Chris Brock, and I'm on a journey to find out the secret resource to creating a happy and content life filled with peace and purpose and moving towards our potential. How can we overcome the obstacles that get in the way of our thriving, that get in the way of who we could really be if only we had the chance? Obstacles which, half the time, we've put in our own way ourselves. Today I'm speaking with Joanna Chanis, an author and mentor, helping people take ownership of their lives. After being diagnosed with and treated for breast cancer and going through a painful divorce and a lifetime of living out of alignment with who she really is, she had an epiphany. This led her to develop a practice based on gratitude and acceptance that asks us to stop fighting with what is and instead work through it so that we can realize what could be. To find out more about Joanna and her book, The Waiting Room, and how she can help you tackle the challenges of your life, seek her out at www.joannachanis.com. The links will be in the show notes at conversationsonliving.com. And before we get started, just a shout out to our friends at Headliner. Headliner is the service that I use to promote this podcast. I use it to create waveform graphics that I share to social media, and I'm sure you've seen the kind of thing I'm talking about. Headliner is by far the easiest and most powerful way to make them, so if you host a podcast, check it out at www.headliner.app. Also, a quick shout out to international publicist Karen Black. Karen is another supporter of the show and a previous guest as well. She is the founder of talentfinders.com and is offering a publicity and PR bootcamp designed to help you become more visible, increase your influence and make more impact. It's a three-week online training course that covers everything from interview preparation to leveraging the power of the media and using publicity for personal branding, all designed to help you move your public profile to the next level. You can find out more about Karen at www.karenblack.com and if you're interested in the bootcamp, send her an email to karen at talentfinders.com. That's K-E-R-R-I-N at talentfinders.com. She'll also be on the show in a few episodes to talk about this and about how we can all use PR and a bit of personal branding to help us spread our message. And don't forget, wherever you're listening to this, please, please, please subscribe, rate and review. And tell your friends, tell their friends, tell your brothers, your sisters, your cats and dogs, your granny and your granddad. It all helps to get the word out there and spread the love. And if you want to find out more about previous episodes of this podcast, head over to conversationsonliving.com, where you can also find information about me and my writing and meditations and some other interesting tidbits. And while you're there, you can also sign up to my infrequent email newsletter and grab a copy of my most recent book, Shine Manifesto, for free. And if you want to discuss any of the ideas that come up in this podcast, head on over to our Facebook group where the Convo crew all hang out. Just search for Conversations on Living. Anyway, that's enough of that. Now it's time to get into my conversation with mentor and author, Joanna Chanis. So, Joanna Chanis, you are a mentor and an author, and uh, you work with women to help empower them to take ownership of their own lives. And we have sort of come together today to talk about how we can use our, our experiences in life, you know, good and bad, and take ownership of those and use those to kind of... Um, propel us forward, if you like, and to, to shape and to craft the rest of our lives going forward and to find success through that. Um, so maybe a good place to start is your story, how you got to be where you are today and how you kind of developed this methodology, if you like, about um, taking ownership of your, of your life. Okay, so thank you so much for having me, Chris. My story, wow, uh, it's, it's a detailed one, but I'll try to make it uh, as interesting as possible so everyone will uh, understand why I'm here um, and why that my story has now formed my purpose and all the work that I do. I am a Greek American born in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is an out, about an hour west of uh, Boston to an immigrant uh, mother. My father died when I was young and it was a very turbulent childhood. It was very much rooted in a lot of what you hear in immigrant stories and um, a lot, there was a lot of pressure to succeed. Mostly brought on by myself. I really wanted to be successful. And so that was the driving force of everything that I did. And uh, it was very important for me to marry someone within my 
culture in my 25 year old brain. I thought that that was what was expected of me. And that was the expectation I clearly put on myself. I met and married my ex-husband and, um, you know, everything on paper, Chris was perfect. Everything from the outside looking in, I appeared to have it all. I had a marriage that was well over 20 years. I have two beautiful uh, daughters who are extremely nice and very kind. I have lots of friends. I traveled all over the world. I have beautiful clothes. I have beautiful car. I have beautiful handbags. I have from the outside looking in, everything appeared to be perfect. And what people didn't realize is I made it look that way. I, my, my entire goal was to make sure everything looked okay because I really wanted it to be true. So I was lying to myself and I was lying to everybody around me. And in September of 2019, I got a call that a routine biopsy in my left breast had tested positive for cancer. And that phone call changed everything. I now see my life in two parts, life before cancer and life after cancer. Not that one is better or worse, they're just completely different. It's a bit like the pandemic, right? We remember yeah. life before and well, I wouldn't really say it's technically after now, but it's still lingering. Um, yeah, so cancer, breast cancer for me was the ultimate truth teller. And what it forced me to do was to take a really long, hard look at the reality that was my life. I had done everything that I had set out to do, again, on paper. I had married somebody that was Greek, that was important to me at the time. I, you know, I was married very young. I had two children, which was important to me to become a mother. I had success as an entrepreneur. I had all of those things. And yet I was so stressed. I was living in a constant fight or flight. And I believe with every cell of my body that that is the reason that I got cancer. I overall was a and remain a very healthy person. I was a yogi. I practiced Pilates for 16 years and primarily plant-based. I am a meditator, a transcendental meditator. I, you know, have my faith. I am part of communities. And yet I was living this lie. I was in a marriage that was crippling emotionally. It was so stressful. Uh, not because of what, not because of him, I mean, he's a very nice person, because we were not well matched. And I think what is so interesting now looking back as to when I met my uh, now ex-husband is he checked all of the boxes for me on paper, but I overlooked the emotional component the lack of it, the, the, it just wasn't there. And so I started to create it on my own or what I wanted it to be. And I thought that if I wanted it enough, and if I focused on it enough, that it would happen. So that is the story in the air that I kind of put out because I believed it myself. This is what we're kind of, kind of told to believe isn't it if you if you act the way you want to be pretty soon you'll be the way you act that's that's the leonard cohen quote um about that you know fake it till you make it all of this kind of stuff but it, i guess if it's not aligned with who you really are then you're going to tie yourself up in knots and you're going to get this kind of stress and this anxiety and things aren't going to work out the way you think they should work out but did it did it take the cancer diagnosis to kind of snap you out of that to to kind of propel you into a new way of thinking almost. Yes, everything changed. I changed completely. It was a, you know, think about it like a metamorphosis. So I had been a caterpillar my entire life. 
although I may have appeared on the outside looking in to be a butterfly, I always felt like a caterpillar. And I had no option other than to heal my, you know, help myself heal. And in order to do that, I had to put myself first, which I had never done in my entire life. And I always put everybody else first before me. It's interesting, Adele's song came out, right? It's, it, you know, there's a line in there that says, I put you both first and I, you know, something like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, we're, we're almost taught as women that we have to put our children's first, we have to put our family first, we have to put our, our everybody's first. And cancer, guess what? It puts you first. So I stepped away from that thinking and that people pleasing behavior. And I thought to myself, even though I am so fortunate to be in the hands of the best doctors on the planet at Mass General Hospital in Worcester, in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, see my Worcester roots are showing. I, people travel from all over the world to see the doctors that I could drive five minutes down the road to see. There is not one moment that I do not thank my lucky stars and everything that I believe in for putting me in those hands. But I knew, Chris, that if I didn't get myself right inside, that I would have missed the whole entire point of the cancer. And I and, and the doctors couldn't really heal me. They could, yeah, if they could cut the tumor out, they could physically cut it out. But I, I would be living the same life which got me sick to begin with so, so do, you think there I, was a, do you think there was a need for kind of emotional and life healing to go in parallel with the physical healing as well a hundred percent a hundred million percent i think that they work in tandem i think they work together i think one cannot exist without the other um we are we are spiritual emotional beings right so if something happens to us, that's energy. Yes, it is a biological diagnosis, but the emotional part is also there. It's not like you can separate the two. They're always working in tandem, whether you want it or not. I mean, I've, I've had conversations on this podcast about pe uh, with people who specialize in, in treating these kind of emotional ailments that result in physical problems you know you you hear about people all the time getting stomach issues because they're stressed getting migraines and i think there's even research now that says that cancer is that it can be um influenced by by a stressful lifestyle or an anxious lifestyle you know it affects our bodies in all kinds of ways and so yeah maybe this was a lesson that needed to be learned at some point I mean, what what was that kind of revelation like for you when you kind of realized, hang on, this is this is telling me something here. This is telling me that something isn't right. Well, it's interesting. When you're in it, you don't realize it. You're just trying to survive, and and I, I was just trying to stay alive. And I wanted. I I realized that I really wanted to live, and I wasn't really living before. And so I went inward. I took 10 weeks between my initial diagnosis and my surgery. And for anyone who's listening or anyone who even knows re remotely, I don't take 10 weeks to do anything. I am, I have launched businesses, websites. I have, I'm, I'm a person that like gets things done. I get them done in a timely, I'm on time, I'm on budget. That's the girl I am. And yet with the cancer, I thought, I need to pay attention here and I need to take some time. Again, caveat is I had the privilege of being able to do that. There are many women that get that phone call and they're rushed right into chemotherapy. They're rushed right into surgery. So I understand how incredibly fortunate I was in this unfortunate situation. That being said, I really did for the first time in my life, put myself first and I did what I wanted to do. I didn't really think about anybody else. And that was very liberating. Did you feel a sense of 
guilt or anxiety about not taking no. responsibility for other people? No, I didn't. I knew that there was no one, there was no space for anybody else in my healing. I had to start with me. And that meant I had to forgive myself and I had to forgive everybody around me that had caused me pain. And I had allowed to cause me pain. Um, I, my children at the time were, how old were they? So they were 17 and 15 at the time. I'm very fortunate that they are part of an incredible uh, independent school. So they had a lot of support there. I had family members that supported them. I write about this in my book. Um, and my ex-husband, instead of us getting closer together, we detached even further. So I knew that I was really alone. I felt very alone in my marriage for a very long time, but I knew that I was really alone. And I knew that I was the one that had to help myself. I had an incredible support system around me and, and people that helped me with a million things, don't get me wrong. But the work that I had to do was all mine. And I sought out healers. I went to a healer in New York. I mean, I call her a healer. She doesn't call herself a healer, but I write, there's a whole chapter in my book uh, called Heaven in Harlem that I dedicate to my dear friend Apollonia, who really helped me through different techniques get to what the root of all of this pain was and why I was in essence drawing these experiences to myself. And I realized very shortly after my surgery and when I had learned about my pathology and all of that kind of medical stuff had, had been sorted out, I realized as I was writing my book, I had this like aha moment that the reason that I was able to get through the cancer in the way that I did and have the results that I've had is because I had accepted it first. And I think that that's a part that we're missing as human beings. We are told and expected and trained even as children to be grateful. You've heard the you've heard the uh, the saying, "Be grateful for what you have, and you'll have more." We're taught one of the very first words in every language. We're taught to say is "thank you," right? Yeah, totally. We are right. We are uh, almost satur overly saturated with it on social media. And I really thought that I was living prior to cancer from a place of gratitude. I really did. I would consider myself a very polite person. I've raised two very polite daughters. I am a person that always says please and thank you. My mom made sure she raised us that way. I thought that I was really coming from a place of gratitude and I wasn't. And the reason why I wasn't coming from a place of gratitude, genuine gratitude, is I was saying the words, but I didn't have the feeling that was supposed to be attached to it, right? That really makes it gratitude. And the reason why is there's a step missing that we're never taught. We're not taught that in order to be grateful or to find the gratitude in any situation, you have to first accept it. And that's what cancer taught me. The reason I was able to get through my cancer and to heal, and I don't mean just heal from cancer, I mean really heal, was because I, for the first time in my life, had accepted something that I didn't want to accept. I mean, who on earth wants to accept that they have cancer? <laughs> this is really quite profound. And it, I think it's a, you're really tapping into something quite significant and powerful here because as humans, we, we have this kind of tendency to wrestle and to try and resist just what is happening. You know, when something bad happens to us, we get in, you know, we tie ourselves up in knots. We get very emotional and judgmental about it. This is unfair. Why is life so unfair? All of this kind of stuff. But like 
Byron Katie, I don't know if you know Byron Katie's work, but she, yeah, so she, she is famous for saying, um, when I fight with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. But this kind of <laughs> acceptance, you know, it, it even taps into kind of the ancient wisdom of, um, you know, the Buddha, you know, this attachment is, is suffering, you know, but when we can just detach from our kind of emotional reaction to things and be not non judgmental in our situation, then we can be open to the lessons that it's there to teach us, you know, we can, we can say, I'm going through an awful time here. But rather than, you know, feel like I'm, I've been somehow mistreated by life or the universe has been unfair, I can just say, okay, this is where I am right now. And I think that that is quite a profound and powerful message there. You know, that, that being present with and, and comfortable with, well, comfortable is probably the wrong word, but, you know, to be there dealing with this cancer, but to be kind of saying, okay, here I am, I am dealing with it, rather than saying, why me, why me, oh, this is awful, you know. So where did I mean, that... I, did, I did have my why me moments. I mean, for sure, I, I, you can't, I think sometimes we wrestle as humans to understand why things are happening while they're happening. And what I work with every person that I mentor is I say, you're not supposed to know why right now. You, it might be revealed to you later, but people will say, I am grateful, but, and then I'll say to them, and this is, this is the work I'm doing now. I'll say, you're really not grateful. Own it. Just own it. And I, I put my money where my mouth is. I am living proof that this works. So that is, those are two steps in my methodology where we, in order to get, this is what I teach people, regardless of the situation, whether you're stuck in traffic or whether you have a diagnosis, it works regardless. If you can get to a place of authentic gratitude, and which you can, it's a choice, then you can move through any situation. It clears, like you said, the resistance. And what's interesting is all of these ancient teachings, like we'll see some religions that have, they are rooted in suffering and, and punishment and all of that. I'm not gonna get political or religious because I'm neither. However, when you look at Buddhism, which is the form of meditation that I practice, I'm a transcendental meditator, although I'm not a Buddhist, I am Greek Orthodox, so there you go but I am a Greek Orthodox girl who practices transcendental meditation. I love to look at all of the amazing things and teachings across all different spiritual practices. And that's one that has really been impactful in my life, but it is just that it is a practice and the methodology is also a practice. And the idea is, you don't need to wait for a diagnosis to start practicing this. You can start practicing it from where you are. And I have not taken clients on. I have taken, I have said to people, I can't even take your money because you don't want to get better. You're stuck in your story. Okay. If I can get through breast cancer, a pandemic and lockdown, and a divorce all in the course of nine months using this methodology do not tell me that you can't get through it because of a breakup or a heartache whatever i'm not just i'm not poo-pooing what happens to people whatever happens to you of course you think is the worst thing in the world because it's happening to you we all feel that way that's our ego our ego is going to tell us what we are the most important, right? And we, whatever's happening to us is the absolute worst. So of course that that is what our instinct and our ego says, but for, for people that really want to change and they really want to live an authentic life that's satisfying, if you practice this methodology, I guarantee it works. It, it, it works to get you exactly to that place of authentic gratitude. And what happens, Chris, when you are living in a place of authentic gratitude is things start to go your way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. And it brings me back to something you said earlier about how you were in a place where you were attracting 
all of these bad things to you. You're kind of bringing them to mm-hmm. you, if you like. And that's, mm-hmm. in a way, that feels like extreme ownership, you know, because it's so easy for us to say, oh, this bad thing happened and it wasn't my fault. This, this person was mean to me, but it wasn't my fault. And I'm just a poor victim and a, a subject of life. And, you know, life, we talked about this before we started recording, but, um, you know, life owns me. I don't have any say in life because all these bad things are happening. But when you can say, well, hang on, maybe these bad things are happening because you're going into life like, you know, you have a victim mentality or you you feel like you're not strong enough. So, you you know, you can't respond in a strong way or whatever it might be then, you know, when you can own that and take ownership of that and say, these things happen to me because of who I am. So now I can turn that around and I can start to be a stronger person and make things actually go in my way in a bit more of a positive way. So yeah, can we talk about the word strong for a minute? I think it's interesting. Uh, Strong, 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 right? Well, guess what? We're all alive. So we're all strong. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're all resilient and we're all strong. I bullied and pushed. I was like a bull in a china shop, so resilient, so strong in quotations. And that also contributed to my disease. I think there is the strength that people want to know you're okay. People are also want to know why things happen to them or they want an explanation. So this is always fascinating to me. Like when something bad happens, when we know why, does it make it any better? Well, I mean, no. if, we can, if we can learn from it, I guess, and use well, it you, to you, the, get better. The, the why, yeah, I guess. But like, let's say there's this terrible accident uh, on the freeway and, you know, people lose their lives and that's horrible. That's the loss. Like those people and their families like are devastated. If we know it's because a truck flipped over because of a malfunction of something, that doesn't change anything. The people are still gone. Okay, but we are constantly in this search of why things happen. We spend so much energy and so much justification, okay, in the why that we miss the point. So I've stopped trying to figure out things that maybe are not for me to figure out. And I then shift the energy because bad things, they happen. We're all here on this journey. Not every day is great. Not every day is terrible. We're all here to be able to navigate and when a tragedy happens or a circumstance that we don't want we get so caught up in the why it's happening as if that's going to change it from happening or that where it happened I, i mean let's say if it's something that you can obviously stop and it's obvious then yes of course but we're we're looking for this explanation as if it's going to take the pain away and the pain does not go away. The pain is there to teach you. The pain is there so you can accept it and grow through it. It's not there for you to justify it. And I think that shifting that thinking really frees up a lot of space in your mind and in your in your day to work through a problem versus getting stuck in the why of it so when did this um when did this kind of realization happen was it while you were going through treatment for your cancer or was it afterwards when did no, it was it... through my divorce this okay. is this is the interesting part the divorce also taught me a lot so we're unraveling this 23 year marriage and I have a very small group of very trusted confidant, like my, my foxhole, like these are the, the women in my foxhole. And these women are, I mean, they're living saints. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. I am the luckiest human being in the world because of who I count on this one hand. And for, for those listening and not watching, I've got my hand up. I've got five <laughs> fingers up. Um, and 
during the roller coaster of divorce and mine as far as divorces go was pretty do i dare say easy i don't yeah. know yeah. feels horrible when you're in it it's not pleasant and there were a lot of touch and go emotional moments there in regards to the settlement in regards to reactions to thing and just the human experience and i would share these experiences with the women in my foxhole, my confidants. And it was through discussing with them where I realized that they were trying to figure out their goal as being a friend to me was trying to figure out why something was happening. So then I would feel better about it. And after a series of these conversations over months, and it didn't really matter what we were talking about, it was always a similar reaction. I thought we want to understand and we feel like as humans, if we understand that this really shitty thing, can I say shitty on your podcast? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. That this really shitty thing is happening, that somehow it's going to make it better. And I remember as I would reflect on our conversations after we hang up, after we hung up, I would think, well, if they explained to me why, would it make it any less painful? And the answer was no. So I shifted and I stopped trying to understand why. Instead, I started to think about how I could, it goes really back to my methodology, of how I could accept what was happening. Okay. And I say this as I had top attorneys on this, all of this. I mean, I was not like, okay, I'm going to just kind of, I was very prepared, but I didn't get stuck. I did a few times because I'm human. I got stuck in that fixation of trying to figure out why. And I thought, it's not for me to understand why right now. My job right now is to accept and get through this in the best possible way with the best outcome. And then once I release it, maybe the why will present itself. Maybe it won't. Okay. I listen to a lot of Joel Osteen. Do you listen to Joel ever? I know. I know of Joel. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I, I love, I love Joel and I listen to him with Sirius XM radio and I listen, he has a channel and I listen. I, I love music, but sometimes I just need a little Joel and I listen to Joel and he says all the time and I and I and this is how I visualize it and I started to explain it to the women in my foxhole I, I said. Sometimes we have to file it in the I just don't understand it file. Yeah. And that really stops the bleeding. That's great. So picture yeah. it this way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, picture it this way, right? Here I am 23 year marriage. I literally gave it everything I everything I have. Everything I had, everything I have, I really wanted it to work. And I I still want nothing but the best for him and I really think he still wants nothing but the best for me. But let's call it what it is. It still sucks and it's painful and it's hard and here is the person that was my forever person in my mind and in in my heart. I, you know, like I'm tearing up now, you know, even though it's over, I, I, I still, it hurts. And trying to understand why, when you're in the middle of all the shit, wasn't going to make the shit go away. And that's kind of that aha moment. That's what the divorce taught me. The cancer gave me the acceptance, gratitude, and movement, my, my, my proprietary methodology that I teach people that have had incredible results. And then the divorce taught me the why you don't always get the answer to the why you don't, and you but, have to be okay with it, not knowing. I mean, is, is this a case of like, we need to get comfortable with the idea that life sucks and it can hurt sometimes. And that's just how it is. No, I don't think life sucks. Um, if I think, I think life is a gift 
And I learned that very early on because my father died when I was 16 years old. So I always knew how fragile life was. I grew up with this fear. Um, I, I think life is wonderful and I think life is meant to be enjoyed. I think that there are also, just like everything has an opposite, right? There would not be death if we didn't have life, right? So the two opposites, there would not be, uh, they're just, they're polar opposites. You can't have one without the other. So I believe that joy also has its opposite. I think hard things happen to every single person that's alive. It's how you get through them and how you reemerge that will define the quality of your experience on earth. And I knew that I had struggled so long. I think that I was addicted to the struggle. I really, I really do. I think I was addicted to the story and the struggle. And this is why I can help women and I help women um, I would work with men too. I don't know why I just say women, but I, I, um, I have helped over a dozen women so far break this cycle. You know, don't get stuck in your story. Just recently with this, um, it is a very simple concept, but you need someone to constantly teach and reinforce it. It's like a workout. Think of me as the trainer for your mind. You go to the gym and you work out or you take classes, you eat properly, you have a health coach. I am the mind coach, okay? I don't call myself a coach, I call myself a mentor because I really see like I model the behavior. I think when you go to a coach, they will coach you what they learned, you know, what they've studied, what they've learned and they'll coach you on that. And I've had coaches and I have a coach and I love that. But a mentor will say, this is what happened to me. Here is my, here are my guts. There's my experience. Here's my vulnerability. You can be vulnerable with me. And that's how we get to the core of the issue. And that's how you reemerge as a butterfly. So can you tell me how these experiences and these kind of revelations that you had while you're going through them, how they turned into a, a methodology and maybe give a little bit of insight into what that methodology what it might be without giving too much of your kind of secret source away if you if you know what I mean well I'll give it all away I just want to help people and it, you know if they want to work with me one-on-one -on -one, they know how to find me but so the methodology is three steps it's uh acceptance gratitude and movement and movement is not literal movement it's it's moving through the circumstance so the methodology really is what I practiced and what I learned going through cancer. And then when I was cancer free and the pandemic happened and life carried on, I went back to my usual ways. I did. And it was during my daughter, my oldest daughter's application uh, process to university that which was extremely stressful it was during covid it was all of this uh, everything is upside down and watching somebody you love go through such a stressful time is even worse than yourself being stressed and it was during that process that i saw her kind of go through this hard time i was taking on her stress as well and i thought I'm exhausted. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. And then I was like, light bulb went on and I'm like, no, 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 I do know what to do. I've gone through a really stressful situation before and I had really great success. I do know what to do. So I sat down and I thought about what were the things going through cancer that really helped me. And it was, the, the, it was so glaring, it was obvious. It was almost like a road sign that you see in the movies, like flashing, right? Like a vacancy, vacancy, vacancy. It was like, it was like hit me over the head, literally. I was in such resistance about her process in university that I hadn't accepted what was happening. And I, I, 
I was saying I was grateful. I was saying all those things, but I wasn't feeling, it wasn't real. And I started to write down what, what could help me, what could help me so I could help my child. Okay. And any mom who's listening, any mom who's listening is like, they will do, we will do anything to help our little cubs. Okay. And I was thinking, how can I help her? And so I thought, okay, well, we've got to accept where we are. That's step one. Joe, I know what to do. I know what to do. I walked into her room. First, wait, let me back up. I got on my knees and I said, I surrender this. I surrender this. I accept what's going on and I am relinquishing control of the outcome. And I'm going to find real gratitude in this movement, in this, in this moment. I still get the chills thinking about it. And it was almost like a transformation. I walked up to her bedroom. This happened, I was in the, in the living room when this happened to me. And I opened the door and I said, her name is Melina. I said, Melina, I, I don't know much. I really don't. I said, but I know what I'm about to tell you works. Okay. And I know if you do it, that you are just going to have a much better experience. You're going to feel better. And I looked, she looked, she has these huge, beautiful brown eyes. And she looked up at me and she was just like, like what mom, like what, like what could I possibly do? I said, you need to accept wholeheartedly where you're at in this process. You need to accept it. You need to accept that one acceptance letter that you have downstairs might be it. And you need to feel authentic gratitude for that opportunity. You need to get there. And the only way you can get there, I said to her, is if you accept that that's where you are right now. You're just accepting it. Chris, she must have done it. I did it. Three days later, the acceptances started to come in from the top schools in the United States. Amazing. Amazing, right? And it wasn't anything. I mean, obviously, those decisions had been made. It was the shift in energy. That's what we did. Instead of commiserating together and, and instead of me feeding her pain and feeding her and telling her, oh, 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 I was like, listen, I know what to do because I did this before. You can do it too and it's going to work. So that's an example of how I've used it outside of my own family. But I have taught it to all of the women I've mentored. They work with me over the course of, you know, the best results are if you work with me over the course of six months. But we work on it with all the little things. So when the big things happen, it's instinctual and it just goes into motion. I live my life. I mean, for those who can't see me, you see me now. I mean, does this look like a woman who in the past two years has had cancer, pandemic, divorce? I had a move. I had to start a new. Does, I mean, I don't feel that way. I know those things that happened to me, but that's not who I am. Do you think that, um, I mean, were you doing, were you doing this when you were, when you were being treated for cancer? Were you kind of being grateful and saying thank you to this experience when you were going through that? And it, that was helping you to, to deal and to get over it and to heal? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was in a complete place of acceptance towards the, you know, right before my surgery. And it, I definitely was able to foster and to grow a garden of authentic gratitude. Okay, I would walk into the hospital and I and I still feel this way because I still have, you know, I get checked twice a year. I would think I'm really lucky to be here. And I felt it. I felt how lucky I was. And ironically, today is October 28th and this isn't going to air today, obviously, because we're recording it. But October 28th is a very significant date in my life 
day and date in my life. And it was interesting. It was the day my father passed away when I was 16, but it was an interesting day. It was the day I had in my process, you know, for those who will read my book, it's called the waiting room book. I was at a whole different hospital uh, in the initial part of my diagnosis with a whole different team. And on October 28th, I had the privilege and uh, great luck of going to Massachusetts General Hospital, which ironically was the hospital in which my father was treated at well over 30 years prior. And I hadn't been a patient there ever. So the ability to be able to be in that hospital and to be here two years later talking to you about this, I am bursting with gratitude. So yes, the answer to your question is during the journey, I mean, I have my moments, I'm human and I'm scared and I write all about this in my book, but I was able to tap into my authentic gratitude by having acceptance first, acceptance, gratitude, and movement. And that is what not only got me through that, but what has gotten me through and continues to get me through everything. I, I, I'm human. I fall. I stumble. I, you know, start to go down a different path. But because I have this muscle now, it snaps you back quicker. And my overall joy and happiness i mean you got to look at me on paper and think look at what she's been through look at all the changes in her life how is she smiling absolutely how is this happening? how is she smiling and this is how i mean is, is there a sense that you know because obviously when we think about things to be grateful for and to say thank you we think about all the good things we think about the kind of flowers in the garden the pay rise we've just had but is it that you know, every experience we have, even when we're going through a, a very hard time, we can turn that around, or not necessarily turn it around, but just we can say thankful, thank you for it, thank you for what you're teaching well, me, thank you, you for the opportunity. Turn, yeah, you can't, you can't. I think that I was always doing that, and those were just words. I think tapping into authentic gratitude is even deeper. I think, regardless of the circumstance, there is always something to be grateful for. Um maybe not in that particular circumstance, but there's always, it's like Mr. Rogers used to say, you look for the helper. So it's about how you see things. If you look at things differently then the things that you look at change. So yeah, how on earth can you be grateful for cancer? I'm not telling anybody to be grateful for cancer. Do you think I'm you know, ready to lock me up? Absolutely not. But am I grateful that I met my incredible doctors, yes. Am I grateful that the experience going through and healing through cancer created some bonds with, um, in particular, two of my friends that it just put us in a different stratosphere? Um, am I grateful that the cancer helped me heal my relationship with my mother? Am I grateful? Yeah, so yeah, I'm not grateful for the cancer, okay? But I am grateful for all of, think of them as side dishes, right? Like all of the little side dishes. So I feel like, you know, there could be somebody listening here that has experienced the unthinkable, like losing a child. I, I can't imagine, you know, there's nothing worse, right? I mean, there's just somebody who's, who's lost a child. How can you tell somebody to be grateful for that? Absolutely not, okay? I mean, no. Can we find from that dark place things to be grateful for now? That's yeah. where my work is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I guess, I mean, you mentioned there um, that kind of Wayne Dyer quote, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the, the things you look at change. And it, there's so much truth in that. There's a real perspective, um, emphasis on perspective here. You know, when you learn to accept things, like you say, then you get to change the way you react to them and the way you kind of deal with that. And also maybe the lessons that you can learn and the, the kind of strengths that you can take away from it to do new things or to get comfortable with uncertainty, if you like. 
in terms of yeah it's all uncertain it's all uncertain chris right i think if the pandemic showed us anything or i i think it's interesting as a person who's had cancer and i i bet you a lot of people who have had cancer feel the same way um you know when the pandemic happened it's like okay yeah well this is like the whole world has cancer that's how that's yeah. how it feels it feels yeah. like your whole world changes overnight everything you know is completely different it's isolating it's all of those things that we had all the feels from the pandemic however what i think is really fascinating is how we endure that and what we bring what we bring in and what we allow into that experience um our our own perception of it right i think we're so conditioned to have things be great all the time like even on social media we only see and including my own social media people only see like the best so you only see the highlights right everybody you know, we talked about this before we started to talk is, you know, it looks like everybody's got it all sorted out. Well, I'm sure I looked that way to a lot of people for a very long time. It's just not true. I don't think that anyone has it all sorted out because of the uncertainty in general. And the pandemic should show us all that we think we have it all figured out and things can change like this. And there's really no different. I will, there's no difference in in our in our own lives. Like, what we can do is we can do our best. This is what I tell people, and this is what I help them achieve. Always do everything excellent. You know, be excellent in anything you choose to do. And I, that's not perfect because perfectionism is a disease. But be excellent. Give it your best. Give it your all. Be well intended. And that's all you can do. And you have to let go of what the outcome is. Once you release the outcome, what's meant for you is going to come. I mean, there is okay. a... And I think that that was... That was sorry? Uh, there's a, there's a, a quote from, I think it might be a Greek, one of the great ancient Greek philosophers. And he says, there's nothing more toxic to, to mankind than, than certainty. You know, this, this clutching on to you know, things, I need to know what the outcome is going to be. I need to know that the work I'm doing here is going to give me the results I need. You know, I, I need to know that I'm a, a good person or whatever it is, but actually the freedom comes from letting that go and, and getting into the process and, you know, being excellent, doing the excellent work and the hard work and, and learning from that experience. Yeah. It's all, it's all about the journey and none of us, are here because we have it all figured out. If we had it all figured out, believe me, this is not where we would be. And um, we're here to help each other, and I'm, you know, and to grow and to learn. And I'm hopeful that by sharing this methodology and my philosophies and all of these things that I've gone through, it will, it'll make somebody's day better and and help them in in, in some way. You, you've um, you've developed a is it a course is it a, a package of tools that people can use to to you know benefit from your your discoveries? What is I have it? a book. Yeah. I have a book that is called the Waiting Room Book, and it's um, to help you through an initial diagnosis or any sort of hard time. I have I work one on one with people uh, after I deem if it's a good fit uh, for both of us. And I am launching the Mindset Mentor Club, which is a subscription-based club that is open at a very uh, accessible entry point on purpose. I want it to really, really be inclusive and allow everyone to participate that can. It is going to uh, start in November. The link will be live on my website tomorrow, actually, uh, which is October 29th. So by the time this airs, the link will be live. So. Um, you can go to joannachanis.com, www.joannachanis.com and hit the club and subscribe. And what you will get as a member of this club is two uh, custom keynotes via Zoom that
that are done live via Zoom every uh, month, one on the first and one on the third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. And a recording of it if you can't make it a private access to a private Facebook group where this community can learn and help each other. Um, I'm launching the club, a club with 10 of my mentees, which is incredible. So that we'll have that amazing energy. And as well as a monthly toolkit that I summarize everything that we discuss and talk about with tips and tricks and tools. So you can really pay attention to the talks and you don't have to worry about taking notes. Um, and of course, we'll, we'll probably be in the works in either late 2022 or early 2023. Um, everything that I uh, do is real data. So I use real life scenarios, either my own or other people that I work with or other things that are actually happening. So it's all real time, like the, the topic for this first one is overthinking. And uh, especially when you're lying awake at night, overthinking, which I think a lot of uh, women are, and, and men are suffering from these days. And they have your phone, you know, kind of close by and your computer and social media, and that's a rabbit hole. So that's the theme of, of this month. And I will um, help people with that. Fantastic, it sounds amazing. And you mentioned that you're on social media as well. Uh, where, where can people track I you? I am, you can find me. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at, at Joanna Chanis, just my name. And um, my link on Instagram also will bring you to my website, my book, my podcast, my YouTube channel, all of that. So fantastic. And I'll, I'll share all of these links in the um, the show notes that accompany the, uh, the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's a real value there in terms of um, this whole idea of so, so tell me your, your three steps. There's gratitude, acceptance and movement. That's right. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, the mindset mentor method. Yeah, and uh, just like the best dishes in the world that we eat, they're made of the simplest ingredients, but it's really how they all come together that make it taste delicious and like the best thing you've ever eaten. And uh, that this is no different. They are yeah. simple words and concepts to grasp because we're so desensitized to the reality of their depth. But once you learn how to live this way, your life will get better in every single way and you will be able to be who you were meant to be and have the things and the experiences that you would like to have. Yeah, I think that's very important. And that brings us kind of wraps us back around to the very beginning where you were talking about you know, living this pretend life where everything's perfect and you, you're putting on this kind of display in a way. And I think there's a lot of pressure on us to put on that display day in, day out, especially now with social media, especially with kind of societal pressure, cultural pressure, family pressure, if you like. And sometimes that can, as you found out, make us sick, you know, whether that's depression, whether it's physical illnesses, or whether it's just a, a kind of life that is not aligned with who we really are. I think there's a lot to be gained from, you know, working with that process and going through those steps that you talked about. So thank you very much for that. I'm, I'm very grateful for your, your wisdom today and your, and your story. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Oh, thank you, Chris. It's been so great to talk to talk to you. And I always, you know, I'm a sucker for a British accent. So <laughs> just, you got, you guys just make everything sound better. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I don't know. I think we've grown up with American films and American accents sound so much cooler. There are certain things we can't pull off in the UK, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I, thank you for your kind words anyway. I appreciate that. So, And um, yeah, and I will share all of the notes, all of the links in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. So there we go. A lesson in acceptance and gratitude and about how our stories can become powerful drivers for shaping and taking ownership of our lives. If you want to find out more about Joanna, her work and her book, The Waiting Room, you can head over to her website at www.joannachanis.com and I'll share the link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review and tell your friends about Conversations on Living. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, head over to our Facebook group, just search for Conversations on Living. You can find other episodes along with my writing, books and meditations at, surprise, surprise, conversationsonliving.com. 
Next week, I'll be exploring the psychology of ultra running and how coming face to face with ourselves enables us to achieve things we never thought possible. But until then, and in the meantime, have a wonderful day.